Hello again. We are back for another episode of our Standing Firm podcast series where we've been going through Philippians. This is Warren again, and again this week I'm joined by Jason. How are you doing, Jason? Hey, I'm uh, doing pretty good. Um, my uh, daughter had her 15th birthday this week, and uh, we had a different birthday experience than I think she's ever had, but she still had a lot of fun. She was a good sport, and uh, I think we're going to do something a little more special when all this clears up, maybe in the summer. But uh, that was a good time, and uh, you know, we're just kind of keeping busy and uh, trying to stay sane in this you know, crazy time. That's right. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, everything's a little different at this time, right? So yeah. yeah, a conversation in our house yesterday was, what restaurant do you want to eat at most when we can actually do that type of thing again? <laughs> so <laughs> we were fantasizing about restaurants going yesterday. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not the same thing, but we've been trying to get uh, the to-go orders from certain restaurants on Friday night. That's been our Friday night ritual is we'll call in an order and we'll go drive around to the various restaurants that we choose and pick them up and trying to support those small businesses too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we've been doing, doing some of that as well. Uh, okay, so today we are going to, to keep going in Philippians. And our text for, for this podcast, at least, is going to be Philippians 2, 12 through 18. And I'm going to read that as, as we typically have been doing. I'm going to read that here in just a second. But I want to do a little bit of kind of, I'm going to go back up a little bit and, and kind of recap a few things that have happened so far, because I think a lot of them have, have kind of been building toward, toward this moment that, and, and some things that Paul is going to discuss here. And so, again, I'm going to do a little bit of a recap and, and just kind of set this up, because this is, my Bible is sort of helpful for this, because on the page of my Bible, uh, this page starts with Philippians 1, verse 27. So I don't know how all this will work just in audio format, that if you, it may be helpful if you are in, in a position or, or spot where you can have your Bible out and kind of look at some of this. But if not, I'll, I'll try to walk, walk you through it to kind of help set the scene of, of where we arrive in, in Philippians 2, verse 12. But if you start up there in Philippians 1, 27, uh, Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And so in, in that section, we've got Paul, I think, kind of beginning to set up a couple of things. One, he's, he's, he, he's setting up this idea of, of encouraging the Philippians to, to continue to strive for the faith, whether he's with them or separate. So that's one thread that he's going to kind of begin there. And, and then another thread is this idea of, of unity and togetherness and this idea that if if you are putting worth and value in the message of Jesus, this is what it should look like. And part of what that looks like is this coming together, uh, this idea of unity and, and strengthening each other and all those types of things. And so if you look then at the beginning of chapter two, we've got this kind of beginning of these, this string of therefores. So chapter two, verse one starts with therefore. So therefore, if, and goes through all that that we went through last week, 
Then we get down to verse 9. Therefore, God exalted him, him being Christ. He says, because of, of Christ's uh, humility and his obedience, God exalted him. And, and so that brings us then to Philippians 2, verse 12. And as I said, that's where we're going to pick up today. And so we've got Paul, who has developed several themes here in, in the beginning of Philippians. He's developed this theme of, I don't know what's going to happen with me. We don't know what's going to happen. This is a time of uncertainty. You need to be uh, thinking about each other and, and focused on unity. And, and then we've got this kind of succession of, of therefore statements, all building up to this third kind of therefore statement that begins in Philippians 2, verse 12. And so I'm going to read this for us and, and look at and see how he's kind of gathering up several of these threads that he's kind of been building uh, throughout the book so far. So Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Okay, so I think, I think we see here, and, and I'm going to come back in just a minute to this idea of unity, which isn't expressly discussed there, but I think it's kind of referenced. But, but one of the things that, that, I, that I think is interesting here is he comes back to this idea, again, that I mentioned, he starts back up in, in chapter 1, verse 27, this idea that, that you should be doing these things whether I'm with you or, or separate from you. And there's even some language here that almost sounds parental, that he, he quotes this part. Um, there's a, it's in quotes in, in my Bible, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And so it almost sounds parental to me. And so I'm, I'm curious, Jason, is, I know you have uh, two teenagers at home. And, and I remember, you know, as a kid, my, my parents telling me, you know, I want you to act this way, not only when I'm present, but also when I'm not. And this kind of this question of how do you how do you act when when a mentor an authority figure, a parent figure is not around and the importance of that. And so I'm wondering if if as a parent of teenagers, um, how you hear those words of Paul or, or do, do those strike you in any certain way? in in the way that he's kind of encouraging them in how to live in that respect? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So um, thankfully, I, I'm blessed to have two really good kids. And uh, um, I like to think that for the most part, they do behave, uh, you know, when I'm not around and similar in similar ways to when I am around. But, um, you know, you, you can't know that 100%. But uh, I, th what I 
what I see here is is Paul doing what I think we as parents try to do, which is reminding the people that, you know, acting acting well in front of me is not the point, and it doesn't really get you, you know, very much. Um, it's he, he's reminding about he's reminding them about the the larger purpose in uh, how you. Um, not just how you act, but just who, how you carry yourself to be, what kind of, per- and, and I think that's the, the message that we want to, uh, that we want to put forth to our kids is that, you know, it's not so much about how you act. It's what kind of person are you? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what Paul is, is getting at here is that, you know, you want to, you, you know, so you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, um, and I, and I think that, that he's really trying to identify for them. It's, it's not so much about the, the consequences of misbehaving or, or, or doing well. It's about what kind of person are you and how is that lived, you know, how is that lived through you in all circumstances? Yeah. Yeah. And even what, what type of person are, are you becoming? Um, yeah. Because right. He's... Right. And, and, and I think throughout this, um, you know, even before this part, uh, you know, Paul talks about that in terms of, you know, that we are changing, we're ever evolving, that we're, we are growing as people. And so what direction you grow into is, you know, I, I think it's highly, in, it's highly indicated by, you know, how we conduct ourselves in private, how we conduct ourselves um, when no one's looking. And, and I think that Paul is kind of calling the people he's writing to and calling us to, to consider that our, as, you know, a, a primary thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think to, to me, the idea of, of focusing on, on who it is that we are becoming. And it, again, we, we've used some of that language of, of what is the gospel producing within us, that idea that, that we are continually growing and, and, and becoming new, you know, as we continue to grow and to strive, I think is, is important. Um, because it carries with it this idea that that none of us have arrived and none of us are are doing this perfectly, uh, right? And and the point is to to continue striving and and moving forward as as we learn and grow and mm-hmm. and continue to work all of this out for ourselves, as as Paul kind of references there. Yeah, can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah, verse fourteen is one of those verses that I think it's easy for us to say, "Oh yeah, that's a great ideal," but give me a break. Uh, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Um, well, first of all, grumbling is, you know, that, that doesn't actually hurt anybody. So what's the problem with grumbling mm-hmm. and arguing? Well, well, what if what if the person that I'm interacting with is just wrong? You know, uh, should I just let them be wrong? Should I not argue? And and I have some thoughts about that, but I'm curious as to what you think about that verse and how... Um, either either what is Paul trying to say there in your mind or how should we read that? Good question. To me, I think you hear some allusions there to the Israelites in the wilderness and, and the extent to which like Moses is pulling them along, but they're doing so always grumbling and arguing and, and, and resisting it. And, and there's this constant, again, thread there of, Moses, why did you do this? You just brought us out here to die. Yeah. 
yeah, where there are no graves in Egypt, so you had to bring it back here, and then there's no food. We had better food to eat in Egypt. And and right. the whole time, it's like they, they can't ever recognize God's right. deliverance and grace and love because all they can think about is what they don't have, and now they're looking back at Egypt as, man, things were better back there. Mm. And it's all just grumbling. And so to me, that's what, almost what I hear Paul saying there is that, like, if you're just, if you're helping other people, but you're grumbling and complaining all the time about what you have to be giving up in order to, to kind of be a religious person, right? that's, that's missed the point. <laughs> well, in the footnote in my Bible, the, what he says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, that children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation is a direct quote from Deuteronomy 32, five. And so I think you're right that he is calling back to the, the, you know, the mosaic text, the, the time that, that Israel had, um, where they were, and I, I don't know if that's necessarily in a, a specific allusion to their grumbling or something else, but he definitely seems to have, you know, the, the Israelites in mind when he's yeah. saying that. Um, did you say, did you say you had thoughts there of what, what that might mean for us? Well, this is, in my opinion, just another example of how we in our modern society want to excuse ourselves from what the Bible says to do. You know, my first thought when I read that is, well, what harm does grumbling really have? I'm not, you know, hurting anybody by just kind of, I don't want to do this, this stupid, (laughs) but I'm going to do it anyway because it's my duty or whatever, you know. That's not really, it's, we, it's easy for us to excuse ourselves into thinking that it um, doesn't hurt anybody. But I, I think where, what it does do, um, and I think this is what Paul is referring to, is that it doesn't provide us with the kind of service, servant, servant attitude and the kind of um, cheerful heart that we want to have, you know, in the next verse, he says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he says, uh, you know, at, at, in verse 18, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So I, I kind of see 18 as being the counter argument to 14. And, and so is grumbling and arguing, does that actually hurt anybody? Well, in a practical sense, maybe not. But I think what he's saying is that there is a spiritual cost to that. And that cost is is a cost to ourselves um, as much as it is to the people around us. And, and I mean, think about like how 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 joyful is it to be around people who are always grumbling and arguing, right. even if on a practical level, it's not hurting anybody. It, it just is not part of being in a spirit filled community. You know, it's not part of being in a spirit filled and joyful and and, you know, thankful community that is thankful for the salvation of Jesus Christ, that is thankful and appreciative and joyful about um, uh, about the new life that we have in Christ. There's nothing good that comes from that. Right. That's kind of what I see, uh, what, what I see Paul saying. And honestly, that is a stumbling block for a lot of us, myself included. 
Yeah, and that's what I was I was going to say as you as you were going through that that I think I think you can make the case that it is hurtful mm. and that it does. It's kind of that thing of you know how do you measure the absence of of something? Right. That I may not realize the way that it's hurting me if if I am always grumbling or complaining or if I'm around people who are. Mm-hmm. But I think once you remove yourself from that, you you realize oh that negativity had a it there was a cost for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that that yeah that that pursuing another life is going to be more spirit filled and, and joy filled and that that there is a an emotional a physical a spiritual cost and toll that comes from from constant grumbling and arguing yeah and and we've all been around people who it just feels like they just live in a constant negative state where if there's something to complain about they'll complain about it and that and that's a difficult place to be. Yeah, and I think that becomes infectious, just like positivity does. Mm-hmm. It, and we end up kind of getting getting pulled into the negativity a lot of times. Yeah. And I hadn't really thought about it until you asked that, but I do think there's a connection there between 14 and, and 18 that I think another connection there is I think a lot of times we like to use our martyrdom, quote unquote, as as kind of justification for complaining basically yeah here's what i had to go through for someone else and so i'm going to tell you about it or i'm going to post it on facebook or i'm going to tweet about it so you can see what i am having to sacrifice or put up with or go through for the sake of of service or someone else yeah and and so kind of use our own martyrdom in a in a very watered down state of martyrdom (laughs) right for justification for kind of complaining or or arguing. And Paul makes the exact opposite point that he's saying, yeah, I'm, I'm being poured out like a drink offering Hmm. for, for you. And, but I'm doing it with, with joy and rejoicing. And I want you to do the same thing. And so he's taking the the complete opposite approach to that base. So, I mean, and the reality is that life has struggles. Everybody has some degree of struggle. Um, some people have greater struggles than others, and some people have greater struggles for their faith than other people do. Um, and and I think what he's saying here, it, you know, kind of flies in the face of of playing that comparative game. Um, and and that's why he says, you know, and again, he's writing this from prison, so I think he has some authority to say this: do everything without grumbling and arguing, and then later, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And, and again, I think there's a, there's a direct connection between that and our current circumstances that there are, there are opportunities every day to grumble and complain. Yeah. And there are opportunities every day to rejoice and be glad. And so which, am I, which choice am I going to make every day? It's, it's a choice I have to make every day. Uh, am I, am I going to look for reasons to grumble and complain today because I'm going to be able to find them? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or am I going to look for reasons to rejoice and be glad? Right. There's also this theme I think I see here about almost responsibility to kind of come back to, to part of what we were kind of getting at earlier, because it's another weird verse in here that, that there's been a lot of thought about is, you know, where he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And, and so we could spend a lot of time on exactly what Paul is talking about there. But, but to me, part of what I think he's getting at is, is getting them to see the, the responsibility that, that each of them has as individuals and as a group for, for their continued maturation and, and what they are becoming, to use kind of a phrase that we used earlier, 
in, in Christ and in God. And that I think he's, he's coming back to this idea that, look, it's, as you kind of said, it's not about me and not doing things to kind of, you know, if you're just doing this while I'm there, that's, that's not going to do you any good because it's for God's purposes that, that you're doing this. And so I want you to take some kind of ownership and responsibility for, for living that out and for doing this for yourselves. And, and I kind of see that maybe that's, I, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it in that way as even as I asked you that question earlier, but I, I think there's that that's where some of the parental stuff comes in that as a parent, you're wanting to, to help equip your kids to eventually make decisions for themselves. And, and so that they are equipped to handle situations well on their own to where you're not always having, you know, it's like, if, if I'm always going to have to be the one to answer this for you or make this decision for you, that's not going to work in the long run. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why ultimately, and this kind of gets into just, you know, parenting theory, but ultimately the whole uh, reward punishment uh, rationale for, uh, for behavior eventually falls flat. You know, that can work well when kids are really young and it can work okay for older kids, but eventually there, there does need to become a, a different drive and different motivator for that. And I think that's what, what Paul is encouraging us to find. Um, and then finally, I think, you know, I, I said at the beginning, there's this thread of unity that he's working throughout the beginning of Philippians. And, and I don't think it's directly discussed here, but I do think he, he comes back to it and he's continuing to, to bring it up because there's continued communal language of to be children of God, that you would shine like stars in the sky. And you think about just the, the plurality of stars when we look in the sky. Um, and, and there's this continued language of togetherness and, and what, what is being produced within you together as, as a community and as a group and as a church. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a thought and a question I've been thinking of in this kind of season. And it's one that, that, I don't think we're going to necessarily have an answer to today, but I, I think this season may, may cause us to, to think about maybe in deeper ways, what does Christian community really look like and what, what is unity that we have in Christ? And, and maybe this time when we have, have been forced to kind of spend time apart from each other physically, does that cause us to think about that maybe in new ways? Do, do I come to think about Christian community and Christian unity in new ways based on everything that we're going through at present. Yeah. I, I don't see any way that this, um, well, first of all, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. Um, but I don't see how what we're going through right now could, uh, could have anything other than some kind of an impact. I don't either. I think for me, what it does is it demonstrates that simply showing up to church on Sunday morning, probably isn't enough to create that unity and community. Whereas I think sometimes we might excuse ourselves to, in thinking that. Um, I think that there, my hope is that when we come out of this, that there will be more of an effort to really connect with people on a personal level, to allow ourselves to be vulnerable with each other, to uh, allow ourselves to have an emotional and spiritual intimacy with each other that that now I think we're realizing we we lack to some degree. Um, and so my hope is that that will be the effect that this has on our unity and community is that it'll become more it'll become deeper, um, which is scary. And it and it, it, you know, opens us up perhaps to to hurt. 
but it also opens us up to the kind of unity that that Jesus Christ wants for us, and that I think Paul is is writing about, um, not just in Philippians, but in a number of his letters. So that that's kind of where I hope we're going. Now, whether or not we get there, I mean, we're we're still in the midst of this, so who knows? But uh, that's where I hope this will go. Yeah, that's good because I think yeah, we we can sometimes trick ourselves into thinking that that community looks like just kind of showing up. Mm-hmm. And there's more investment required yeah. to be truly connected. Well, and honestly, I think sometimes um, we don't realize what we should be looking for in a church community. I think a lot of times that comes down to, okay, when I am looking for a church community to be a part of, what am I looking for? Well, do they have the right kind of programs that I want for my kids? Do they have a, you know, do I like the worship? Do I like the preaching style? Do I, uh, you know, do they seem like they are welcoming people? And all of those things are really good. And I'm not saying that those shouldn't be factors. But, you know, when when Carrie and I have moved and started looking for a new church home where we lived, we've had the most success in finding a good church home when we looked for where do we feel most accepted as family? Yeah. Um, you know, all the other stuff, not to say that we didn't pay attention to those things, but ultimately the decision of where we were going to make our church home, when we just use that as the primary criteria, where do we feel most accepted and loved as family? That's where we felt the most, that we've had the, the greatest success in, uh, in, in finding a church home. And, and I, I, I hope that this, you know, maybe inspires other people to use similar criteria, you know, at whatever point that they may be looking for a church home. And I know that's what we feel at Divine, and, and uh, I know it's what a lot, draws a lot of people to us as well. Yeah, very true. Uh, okay, so we'll, we'll wrap up there for today. I hope that if you are following along with us in this podcast and in this series in Philippians that you're exploring Philippians uh, for yourself and, and finding value and strength and encouragement in that. And I think this is, um, I think another reminder for me of, the, of this season has been just how, um, how relevant this, you know, so, sometimes I know a critique of the Bible is, well, how can a book, how can a document, you know, written, not a book, a document that's been put together by several different authors over a wide span of time many, many, many years ago, how can that possibly have relevance for us today? And, and I think this has just been a reminder to me about uh, just how relevant it is and, and how these, these words from authors from long ago inspired by the Spirit and how the Spirit working within them can, can strengthen and encourage and, and edify us uh, still today. Yeah, one thing this study has shown me is it, it almost feels like Paul was knew about our current situation when he was writing this. It feels like it's so applicable. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. All right. So thank you, Jason, for, for taking some time for conversation again today. Uh, will you close us in, in prayer for this time? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we again um, approach you with humble hearts, with heavy hearts. Lord, um, we we feel like our world has just been so incredibly disrupted and turned upside down. And uh, God, I I pray that you bring peace and comfort to those who are hurting, to those who are struggling, um, 
through this time, whether it's struggling emotionally or financially or spiritually. Um, we know that, that there are many people in our community who um, are, are just really having a hard time throughout all this. And God, I ask that you bring your comforting hands around them, that you protect them, that you keep them safe. Help them to know that they are loved. Help us as um, as people in our community to uh, to reach out to those people, to care for them. And help us to do so without grumbling and arguing and complaining. Uh, God, our, our, our selfish thoughts and our, um, our arrogance sometimes compel us to think that we know better than, than you. And Lord, help us to have the humility to, to know that you are in control and that you will guide us through this time and that you will continue to watch over us and take care of us. Uh, thank you for all you do. And it's in your son's holy and blessed name we pray. Amen.